For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio, wherever you get your podcasts. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. Welcome to the Matt Lombardo Show, part of the Stacking the Box podcast. Please welcome your host, Matt Lombardo. All right, welcome on into the Matt Lombardo Show, inside fan-sided Stacking the Box podcast feed. I'm Matt Lombardo, and we have a massive show on tap for you today. San Francisco 49ers starting offensive guard Daniel Brunskill will join us a little bit later on, and I really can't wait to get his thoughts and his first impressions of rookie quarterback Trey Lance and everything going on with Jimmy Garoppolo this offseason. What an intriguing quarterback situation, and what an intriguing team the 49ers have the chance to be in 2021 a lot to get into with the nfc west a lot to talk about in the nfc but before we do as always if you like what you hear on the podcast i'd really love it if you would go ahead and subscribe in the apple podcast store on spotify on soundcloud all of your favorite podcast platforms and if you really love what you hear i'd really appreciate those five star reviews let me know what you like about the podcast what you don't like and if there's any guests that you'd like to hear from drop them in a five star review and i'll try to go get them And, you know, last week we spent a lot of time talking about the AFC and how the Super Bowl hierarchy over in the AFC got tossed into a bit of a blender when the Tennessee Titans traded for Julio Jones. And that was obviously one of the biggest trades of the entire NFL offseason. And that move didn't exactly move the needle on the NFC side of the Super Bowl hierarchy while it didn't really shake up the Super Bowl contenders in the NFC. It certainly feels natural at this point in the offseason. It's starting to become summer. It's getting warmer outside. Mandatory mini camps are over with. Team facilities are now dormant and quiet until training camp kicks off on July 27th. And what a fun day that's going to be, by the way. You think about it, it's going to be a little bit like March Madness, a little bit like Midnight Madness, and a little bit like MLB opening day all rolled up into one when training camp kicks off for all 32 teams across the league. But this really feels like this is a great week to take stock of the NFC and which teams have the best chance of knocking off the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and getting to the Super Bowl. Similarly to how we took a 30,000-foot view of the AFC, here's how I kind of break down the NFC Super Bowl hierarchy from runaway favorites, maybe with one team with a pretty giant asterisk next to their name, the biggest threats to those teams, and the contenders and the pretenders amongst the rest of the bunch. And the thing about the NFC, and this is why I think the NFC title game might be really wide open this year, and it kind of was last year outside of Tampa Bay, but it feels like there's really a dearth of high-quality quarterback play when you step away from Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. There's your asterisk, by the way, 
Because over in the AFC, you can talk about the Chiefs, you can talk about the Buffalo Bills, you can talk about the Ravens, the Browns, and the Titans, and all of those teams can make a really strong AFC championship game case, and every one of those teams has an argument for them being the favorites to go to the Super Bowl, maybe outside of you know every team other than Kansas City. The Kansas City is the runaway favorites, but every team that we just mentioned has a chance of knocking off Patrick Mahomes because they either have a young quarterback, or a dominant supporting cast, both in the case of Mahomes and the Chiefs. But how many teams can you really say that about in the NFC? Maybe two, three? It's kind of the mirror image of the AFC when it comes to high-quality quarterbacks, when it comes to young quarterbacks that you're excited about and that you think can carry your team on his back to a Super Bowl. But if we start right from the very top, I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the odds-on favorites to go back to the Super Bowl. I just do. Because when you think about what they were able to do this offseason, they bring everybody back. All 22 starters. It's never been done before in the free agency era. All 22 starters back from a Super Bowl championship winning team. Tampa Bay has the chance to do that right now. They have one of the five most gifted coaches in the league who isn't just pretty brilliant schematically, but he also had a Yoda-like impact on that roster when you talk about all of the new additions, the veteran players, the mix of homegrown talent. They got better as the year went along, and, and that's no accident. That, that's a credit and a testament to Bruce Arians and him getting Tom Brady and everybody to not only buy in, but get on the same page. No, by the way, they still have Tom Brady. Right, He didn't go anywhere, and Tom Brady is still the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. Patrick Mahomes is the greatest quarterback walking the planet today, but there's a reason these two are on the cover of Madden. There's a reason these two went to the Super Bowl last year, and I believe both have runaway odds-on favorite cases of going back to the Super Bowl this year. It just doesn't happen to bring back a roster as talented and deep as the Buccaneers have with the quarterback that they have leading it. So, you know, who challenges them? Who beats the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Who stops them from going back to the Super Bowl? And let's start at the bottom. Let's go to the bottom of the NFC. And of course, this is where you find the wide open quote unquote field section that we used for the AFC to kind of determine the teams that might not have a great case of going to the Super Bowl. But again, in the NFL, any given Sunday, worst to first, all of those things, you know, I can make a case for three NFC East teams winning that division. And, you know, we'll talk on that, talk about that in a little bit here. I think the NFC South, much like the AFC South, has one really good team and three teams that when you look at it, you put a win next to your schedule if you play them. And the North is a little bit of a wild card. I mean, I, th I think that there's a bright future in Chicago now with Justin Fields, but he's a bit of an unknown. Who knows what happens in Minnesota? Detroit, I think they're two years away from being a year or two away, even though Dan Campbell is going to try his damnedest to put his fingerprints on that franchise and build a winning culture. But let's go back to the NFC East for a second here. Because I look at that, I look at that division, and I really believe that this is a three-team race to ten wins. I think ten wins gets it done. I think that you know all the wisecracks and all of the jokes and all the snickering about the seven and nine NFC East and Washington getting in because the Eagles folded up the tent halfway through Week 17. That's all in the rearview mirror. I think that division got markedly better. And the football team, the Washington football team, might have the most talented, the deepest, and the most disruptive 
front seven in the entire NFL. And if you look at their offense, I love Terry McLaurin. I think he's a top 10-ish, maybe better wide receiver. Antonio Gibson has all kinds of versatility and upside in that backfield. And they're going to go as far as Ryan Fitzpatrick can take them. And the biggest question for Washington this year is, is he good enough to win in the postseason? Does he have more upside than someone like Tyler Heineke, who came in and was a little bit of a playoff hero? Even though they came up short, he took Tom Brady and the Bucks to the brink last year. I don't really know that Fitzpatrick has more upside. That's the reason why I don't push Washington into that next level. But I think when you talk about that third tier of Super Bowl contenders in the NFC, being at the top of that list, it feels about right for the Washington football team. And then one rung before them, one team below them, is the Dallas Cowboys. Because if you look at how dominant that team was and how dominant and explosive that offense was before Dak Prescott suffered that gruesome ankle injury in week five last year, well, Dak's back. He, he has a, He's made whole this offseason by the Cowboys with that contract extension. He's happy. They have CeeDee Lamb. They have Amari Cooper. They chose Micah Parsons, who, when you're looking at the odds, should be the odds-on favorite to win Defensive Rookie of the Year. They got better along their front seven this offseason. They invested heavily in the NFL draft and rebuilding that defense. You know, I look at them, it's their second year with Mike McCarthy, and he's a bit of an unknown in terms of if he can close, if he can build. But if they get hot down the stretch, if they get into the postseason, all of those weapons, and if that defense gets better as the year goes along, Look out for the Cowboys, man. I'm telling you, I think that they have the chance to surprise some people. And, you know, the Giants really fascinate me. They're a team that I cover on a day-to-day basis. But when you look at what they did this offseason, they are all in on evaluating Daniel Jones. And they've done everything in their power to facilitate him taking the kind of leap in year three that we saw Josh Allen take in year two. Now, they're going to go similar to Washington as far as Daniel Jones can take them. I mean, you look at what they did. You know, you bring in Kenny Galladay. You have a healthy Saquon Barkley. You draft Kadarius Toney. You know, I watched Kenny Galladay during OTAs and minicamp. He looks as explosive as can be. He looks the part of a true number one wide receiver, which Daniel Jones hasn't had at any point through his first two years. I was there. I saw him make this unreal one-handed catch in the corner of the end zone. Kadarius Tony has all kinds of versatility. He's all kinds of explosive. You can line him up all over the field. The Giants just need to find a way to harness that. And if they do, and if they get Tony on the field with Barkley, with Galladay, with Ingram and Travis Rudolph, if the offensive line takes a little bit of a step forward, you know, that's a top five supporting cast of weapons around your young quarterback. And when you look at the Giants defense, When you sign a guy like Dory Jackson and you plant him on the opposite perimeter from James Bradbury, now Patrick Graham, one of the more innovative defensive play callers in the league, now he can play man-to-man defense. Now he can blitz more. Now he can, you know, have the Lorenzo Carters and the Aziz Ojolaris and the O'Shane Zimenezes. Those guys can pin their ears back and go after the quarterback because he's more confident Graham is with the personnel he has on the back end. So the Giants are a team that really fascinates me. I think they have a playoff roster from top to bottom. It all comes down to Daniel Jones. Don't sleep on the Giants, though. I think they can make a little bit of a run. Now, let's move to the gauntlet. Let's move to the most competitive division in the NFC. And it just so happens that these teams, at least in my estimation, are the biggest threats 
to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, we're going to talk a lot about the 49ers throughout this podcast, especially when Daniel Brunskiller joins us in a little bit here. But when you look at the defense, they get Nick Bosa back. Fred Warner is one of the premier linebackers in the entire league. They have a dominant front seven. They have lots of speed on offense. And who knows how much head coach Kyle Shanahan really trusts Jimmy Garoppolo because he didn't seem to trust him at all in that Super Bowl two years ago. But if Jimmy G is back, if he's healthy, if he has another year in the scheme and has better command, he might play well enough to keep Trey Lance on the bench this year. We'll talk about that later on in the pod as well. But he might keep Trey Lance on the bench. And if he plays well, and if that defense rebounds and they stay healthy, look out for the 49ers because they're going to make some noise and they're going to be competitive. And I think the Seahawks are next. I think the Seahawks are the second place finisher in the NFC West this year. Because you look at that team, and if Russell Wilson is back, if he's putting on a happy face, even if it's just a facade, you can never rule out Pete Carroll's teams. You can never rule out the Seattle Seahawks. And Russell Wilson is one of those quarterbacks in the NFC where you put him in with an Aaron Rodgers, with a Tom Brady. He's one of the three best quarterbacks in the NFC. He might be, when all is said and done in a couple of years from now, the best quarterback standing in the NFC. We'll see about that. But for here and now in 2021, Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll are the reasons, in my opinion, the Seahawks have a real Super Bowl case once again. But, you know, I'm not sure anyone in the NFC West beats the Los Angeles Rams. I, I just don't. You look at that roster and you look at Matthew Stafford. He's still an all-pro caliber quarterback. He finally has some legitimate weapons around him for the first time since he had Calvin Johnson and made him a perennial 1,300-yard receiver. And he plays in an innovative offense with one of the more forward-thinking and analytical head coaches in the league in Sean McVay. And they have a defense in Los Angeles now that boasts pro bowlers at all three levels. Aaron Donald, perennially a defensive player of the year candidate, if not favorite. Jalen Ramsey on the back end, perennially a defensive player of the year candidate, if not favorite. And I'm really bullish when I look at that roster on the Rams. I think they could sneak into the title game. And with that defense, if they can get after Tom Brady, if Aaron Donald can provide a gap pressure on Brady all day long, if it's a Rams-Buccaneers NFC title game with a trip to the Super Bowl on the line, don't rule out Los Angeles pulling off the upset. You know, so here's where things get really tricky. Because we touched on the fact that the Buccaneers are the odds-on favorites to go to the Super Bowl from the NFC, and I really believe that. But if you hopped in a time machine right now to September 7th, if we blew through all of training camp, if we, you know, went all the way through the preseason like it never happened, and Aaron Rodgers is back in Green Bay, he shows up, he's ready to go down on September 12th against the New Orleans Saints and put on a show, then the Packers are legitimately, hands down, easily the biggest threat to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, bar none, full stop. But, as I wrote about extensively in the column on Wednesday, go check it out on fansided.com if you haven't read it all already. You know, talking to sources close to GM Brian Gutekunst, He's dug in. He's using this whole situation to show that he has quote-unquote backbone and wants to put his fingerprints on the Packers roster. He believes, Gutekunst believes, Jordan Love is a franchise quarterback. And if he is, then Green Bay has to trade Aaron Rodgers right now. You can't have this situation fester through training camp, fester through the preseason, into the regular season or beyond with your quarterback, with the reigning MVP. Go get a King's Ransom of draft picks for Rodgers right now today. But if love doesn't work out, then for all intents and purposes, Brian Gutekunst is staking his whole career 
on this situation. So you look at this and I'd say right now today, just, you know, reading what people like Ty Dunn have written about Aaron Rodgers's camp and how Rodgers feels about this and watching how this has played off from Aaron Rodgers's perspective, talking to people around the Green Bay Packers, people close to Gutekunst. I'd say right now, if I were a betting man, it's 60 to 40 against Rodgers playing this season. And if that's the case, then Green Bay needs to trade him today. I, I don't care whether it's the Denver Broncos. I don't care whether it's the Las Vegas Raiders. I don't care if you survey the teams in the NFC and you trade them to a team, you know, like the New Orleans Saints that might need a quarterback long term. They need to move on from Aaron Rodgers if he's not going to come back. So I, I look at this and I see a Packers team with Aaron Rodgers that can easily, easily with that roster win 12 or 13 games. That can go to a Super Bowl. But without him, I think Jordan Love wins six or seven. I think it could be a disaster, but it's the beginning of a rebuild. So that's where I think things stand. That if Aaron Rodgers is in Green Bay, it, it's a two-team race to the Super Bowl. If he's not, look out for the Rams, look out for the Cowboys, look out for Washington, look out for the Giants. Those are the teams that I think can pose a threat to the Buccaneers. And now you might be asking yourself, well, what about the Arizona Cardinals? You know, Matt, you're so high on the NFC West. You think it's the most competitive division in football. What about the Cardinals? Well, here's the deal. I don't really know what to think about Arizona. I'll admit that. Cliff Kingsbury's seat has to be really heating up if they lose five of their final seven games again, right? If they collapse over the second half of this season after that complete abject disaster that happened in the second half of last season, you know, there's no way they make the postseason. There's no way Kingsbury is back if that happens again. And, you know, have we already seen the best of Kyler Murray? Some people might say that this is his ceiling. I, I tend to like Murray a lot. I think that he can continue to grow and develop, and he certainly has all kinds of weapons around him. When you look at, at guys like DeAndre Hopkins, when you look at Christian Kirk, when you look at bringing in a veteran receiver like A.J. Green, but on defense, they lost Patrick Peterson. And instead of taking Greg Newsom, who was sitting there for them in the draft, they opted for Gregory Russo, who might have been a reach and, and has to you know work pretty hard, in my opinion, to shake the potential bust label from his name as a first-round pick. So I don't know what to make of the Cardinals, but I don't think that they are a Super Bowl threat. Much more to talk about when it comes to the NFC West and the San Francisco 49ers when starting offensive guard Daniel Brunskill joins me next. Keep it locked right here on the Matt Lombardo Show, inside fan-sided Stacking the Box podcast feed. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest-drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. Welcome back into the Matt Lombardo Show. And joining us right now, San Francisco 49ers starting offensive guard, Daniel Brunskill joins us. Daniel, how you doing, man? Good. How are you doing today, Matt? I'm doing great and really appreciate you taking a few minutes with us here. And, you know, right out of the shoot, what jumped out at me is the fact that, you know, you've played all along the offensive line, right? You've showed a ton of versatility. And, and I'm just really curious, how does that experience help make you a better center? And knowing that you've played center in the past and moving out to guard, how did your time at center make you a better offensive guard last year? Um, it definitely helps when you move around and uh, you, you play. I started at four of the positions. 
Um, and I've been at all five and it, it just kind of helps you understand the offense better, understand each position, um, know, know the play like inside and out of what each guy's trying to do on each play. And so it gives you a lot of, uh, um, perspective from each position and then being able to go to center and then back to guard. It just, it, it helps you feel a lot better. Uh, um, just, you just you're on top of it you know exactly what you're doing you don't have to think as much you can just go out there and play and that's the that makes football a lot easier and I've got to imagine that playing next to an all pro like Alex Mack is just another way where you can kind of go out and do your own thing and react and not have to think maybe quite as much and you know I was wondering you know how much easier does that make it for you playing next to a guy like Alex Mack and and what have you learned from playing alongside of him last year uh well, this is this is his first year with us, um, uh, but through the OTA, it's it's awesome to have him. Um, I actually spent some time with him in Atlanta when I was uh, first on practice squad, and it's it's awesome to have him back and and know like you have this veteran guy that you can just bounce ideas off of. Um, whenever you do something, he's able to critique it and give you a different perspective. And then he's he's been around for so long that he knows a lot of the tricks and a lot of the things to do. So he's really helpful in that way. And and it makes it a huge, huge, just someone to lean on when you're out there to play. And, and he's, he's a great guy to have in the building. And throughout the offseason, Trey Lance has really been, you know, the big storyline. He's been the marquee name surrounding the 49ers. From what you've seen in camp and through practices so far this spring, what are some of his biggest strengths that you see that might help him get on the field right away or, you know, makes you realize what the organization saw to make him the number three overall pick? Uh, I mean, Trey, Trey's a, a great player. Uh, he's He's got a tremendous arm. He's very athletic. He can run the ball. He can do several different things in, in that like physically um, aspect. And then on top of that, uh, I think he's one of the better rookie quarterbacks that I've seen that just comes in and starts yelling, like telling all these plays when he comes in the huddle, he just reads off the play exactly how the coach said it. And, and that's tough for these rookie quarterbacks, especially when you come into a Kyle Shanahan and an offense and these plays can be pretty long. And for him to be able to hear it from coach and then go straight to the huddle and then run through the play and, and, and not mess up or have to turn back and say, hey, coach, what was it again? Um, and that's huge. And and I, I don't know if I've seen a rookie quarterback be able to do that where they're just able to just go spit out the play and and, and not have to, to check again with coach. And, and he just, he's done a really good job in that. Um, he's, he's a smart player, and I think he's going to be a tremendous player one day. That's for and that, sure. And that's pretty fascinating because you hear head coaches talk all the time, especially about young quarterbacks and how important it is that they they learn the verbiage. And that's the biggest thing that they need to teach these kids coming from college offenses to their new schemes. How much res- added respect does that carry from Lance to you guys, knowing that, okay, he might be a rookie, but he's going to step into the huddle and have that command right away. How much of a difference does that really make for you guys? I mean, that's huge. Um, I mean, when you're sitting in the huddle, I mean, on a hot day, especially in camp or anything like that, and you got to sit there and, and you're listening to play call, The I think the number one thing that gets on guys' nerves probably will be someone comes in the huddle and then they start reading off the play and then they got to stop, ask for the play again, and then and keep it going. It kind of just makes practice go longer. And Nobody likes that. Have, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so usually when you have a rookie quarterback there, usually it takes them some time and, and with a high as draft pick as that, um, you know, they're going to want them to go in with the ones a few times and, and do stuff. And so with, when he's able to come in there and, and just read off the play, which is not an easy thing to do for us to be mad at it in any way is, is not really 
great on our part, but that's just kind of how, how it is kind of as veterans, you, you expect the guy to, if they're going to go with the ones to be able to know and then go out there and execute it. Um, and the, the fact that he's able to do that right now is amazing. Um, and especially in OTAs, not even just, we're not even in camp yet. He's able to do that. Um, that's, that's, uh, really well done by him and and I think that's huge and I don't know if I've been around a rookie quarterback that's been able to do that so well um, and come in uh, and just read off plays like that and, and be able to you know get the offense moving efficiently and get Pat practice moving efficiently and that's that's definitely a huge respect to him. And what, what might be a little bit more impressive is the fact that Trey's a kid, went to North Dakota State, and you look at the FCS schedule last year, they didn't play any games, but North Dakota State scheduled one game for him. He played one game because of COVID-19. The rest of the season was wiped out. If you're watching him, would you be able to notice at all that he didn't miss any time? And is the fact that he's able to come in and hit the ground running, isn't that even more impressive in your opinion? Uh, yeah, no, it's definitely a... It, I think that's probably was the biggest concern on Trey Lance was, uh, you know, his, his not as much experience out there in college, only having played one year and then playing that one game. But um, I mean, that's huge by, by our coaches and scouts and to be able to recognize that. And then for him to come out there and, and he's, he did, he did really well in OTAs and, and seeing him perform. And, and then I, like I said, the being able to execute just the huddle, especially for a rookie quarterback. That's, that's amazing. I thought that's really well done for a guy that has little experience in college and then to be able to come out there and do that with us. And he's, he's definitely a step ahead. And of course, you know, from the outside looking in, it seems like the plan is to have Jimmy Garoppolo be the starter for week one. You know, you want, you went to a Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo, you were the right tackle. And, you know, you look at what the success you guys had just two years ago, when people say that he quote unquote, doesn't have it, what are they missing and what do you see up front, you know, blocking for Jimmy Garoppolo and being in meetings and being in practice and being in the huddle with him every day? What are people missing about him? Oh, I think Mike McGlinsey said it best. That's probably the people that uh, are those uh, uh, couch captains with their remote control and able to critique everything they got. Um, but uh, I mean, it's Jimmy. Jimmy's a tremendous quarterback. You go look at his record. He, his record speaks for itself. I think the biggest concern with Jimmy is just the injuries. Um, and those aren't, you know, he can't do anything about that. I mean, he does does what he can, um, and he's always in there. He's always trying to do what he can to be healthy. Um, he's in the weight room all the time doing exercises and stuff just to stay healthy. He does a, he does a tremendous work, and, and Jimmy's a great quarterback. And, and I think his record speaks for itself, and I don't know why people um, – want to say that he's not he's he's tremendous quarterback without a doubt there's there's no question about that it's just injuries are his biggest problem and and that's not something he can really control you just got to go out there and play and he he plays hard and when guys out there you know giving it everything they got you know sometimes injuries happen and and so uh it's tough for him but um i i expect him to he's he's gonna go out there and he's gonna perform at his best and uh he, he competed out here in OTAs and he's doing, he's looking great. Um, he's always got great command in, in the huddle. Um, he's, he's a great leader for us and I think he's going to do tremendous. And, and I would expect him to be the starter this year and, and, and to go out there and, and teach Trey uh, so much and, and do everything he can for us to win. And um, as long as our team can stay healthy, I think, our team in general has to um, has, has problem with injuries, and, and we just got to get that done. And if we can, I, I think we can definitely have a shot at, at getting back there one day. So um, I think that's 
to something for him. He's, he's just going to work hard and, and do his best to stay healthy. And, and he's putting all the work he can possibly put in out there. And, and it's awesome to watch a guy that no matter what, everybody's kind of attacking him. Everybody's saying all these things about him. And he just ignores it and goes, puts his head down and goes to work. And, and that's what you love about Jimmy. For sure. And I think the really fascinating thing about his situation is that regardless of what happens, either he stays healthy, plays at a really high level, you guys go on a playoff for a Super Bowl run, and he's auditioning maybe to nail down this job long term and they trade Trey Lance. Or he goes out and plays relatively well and he's trying to build up a resume and tape for his next team next year or beyond. When you look at him, in addition to all the leadership qualities, in addition to him being such a hard worker, Daniel, what's Jimmy G's best attribute of his skill set when he's out there, in your opinion? Um, I think his best attribute would be his ability to stay calm. I mean, he's always laughing and, and coming out to the huddle with a smile on his face, no matter where we're at in the game. Um, and he's, he's got the ability to stay calm, to read the defense and, and to make decisions that way. And, um, and when he's, when he's on and you can tell, like, uh, I remember the first game, uh, against the Rams last year, um, just pregame warm up, what he's doing in the huddle, like you could tell he was on, he was ready and, and we we're going to have a game that, that, that one, you could just tell like it was, it was something different. Um, and then I know when, when the ankle injury was bothering him, um, you know, sometimes he's favoring that and you could tell it's a little bit different um, in his play and, and he's trying to fight through that injury more, you know, but um, when, when he's on, you can just tell he's calm, he's cool, he's, he's, he's ready to go out there and kick some butt. And so uh, I think that's probably his, his best attribute is to no matter what, what's flying at him, he's going to, he's going to make the play happen. I, I guess, especially for quarterbacks, that's not just coach speak, right? Like you guys really feed off of that calmness and that energy in the huddle, because some people hear coaches rave about their quarterback command of a huddle or their presence. And they kind of roll their eyes and say, Oh, he's just saying that, but it, it really seems like to players that stuff matters. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely helps when you, when you got a quarterback that's able to go out there and, and just be calm and, and go through the plays and, and, act like you know it's just routine rather than you know a guy that's you know out there freaking out is then you know you got everybody worried about different things and, and wondering you know if he's can ready to go or not and and that's I think that's huge definitely for an offense because he's the guy going to be out there putting out the play he, you know he's the guy that's going to be handling the ball the most so that's the guy you want to have the most confidence on the field and, and he definitely displays that. And, you know, you brought up the injuries and Nick Bosa is coming off a pretty severe injury. But when he's on the field, you know, it's just terrifying for opposing offensive tackles and opposing quarterbacks, really. You know, considering his overall production, do you think he has the chance to become one of the greatest pass rushers in the league? And, and what's it like going up against him in practice and training camp? Because I'm sure you guys have had some battles. Oh, yeah, I, I think no doubt um, that he can be one of the best pass rushers to in the league and to ever do it. I mean, his rookie year alone was was amazing. Um, and that injury he had on that uh, turf there in New York was, was sad, but um, it, it really took away of something, you know, special for everybody to see. Like, he's a, he's a very special player. He's a one-of-a-kind player, and he's awesome to watch, and he's looking really good right now. We got to see him uh, for uh, – I think he came down for a week in OTAs uh, um, before we left, and, and he's looking great, and I can't wait to watch him go out there on the field but I mean it's, it's just huge even having him on the field like you said people got to see him out there and, and think about him and, and you know some of those players sometimes when you see those really good players out there you start overthinking things and you make it easier for them um, just because 
you know, you're nervous about that guy being on the field. And like sometimes for opposing coaches, now you got to, they got a game plan versus this guy. And it, it makes it harder for the other team. So that's huge to, to have him out there and have him back. And I, I can't wait to see what he does. Um, and he's, he's definitely a tremendous player and he's, he's something special to watch and he's great for the game of football. And another guy that you probably go up against in, in practice every day and has a really high ceiling and is entering a contract here is Fred Warner. You know, what makes him such a great linebacker and linebacking play in general, you know, as an offensive lineman, you know, where does Fred, in your opinion, stack up against some of the guys that are t- the toughest to block and some of the better guys at that position? Oh, yeah, he's, he's definitely one of the best and he's really tough to block in practice and he, he gets us a lot better. Um, I, I think he's he he stacks up with with some of the best for sure. Um, gone against Bobby Wagner, who's really good. Gone against uh, Luke Keekley. Um, those guys are, are just just tremendous players. And, and Fred is definitely up there with them. Um, and what makes him great is he's he's just got uh, I mean, he's got great athletic ability. He's a smart player. And then he's also instinctive. And I, I think that's what makes him, him so great. And he's able to recognize pre-snap a lot of things. And that helps him become, you know, a better player because then he's playing as fast as he can. And there's nothing for him to think about. It. Just go out there and play. Um, and so that that's, makes him really good. And he, he's really good at getting off blocks, too. I think that's what makes linebackers the best is um, sometimes it's not all just about hitting hard. It's about being able to, to shed a block and get off real quick and make the tackle. Um, I know going against Keekley, that was one of the hardest things is you think you have him and you're going at him. And then all of a sudden he just kind of it wasn't as he wasn't physical against you. He just kind of shed you slip through and, and then just he's on, the you know, the ball carrier making the tackle. And I think Fred's really good at that. And he does a, a great job with his hands and, and shock and shed and then getting uh, getting to the ball. So uh, that's that's what you want in the linebacker. And, and Fred's got all of it. And on offense, you guys added Aaron Banks and Trey Sermon, you know, this offseason. And especially with how Kyle Shanahan loves to pound the rock, and especially, I'm sure, as an offensive lineman, you love the running game and you, I'm sure, love to get down and dirty in, in run blocking. How vital are those two players, both to the offensive line and your offense in general, when you look ahead to this year? Oh, they're, they're definitely huge. They add some depth to, to some positions and, and, uh, I mean, it just makes it a lot, lot better to go out there and, and Banks is a huge physical guy. Um, and he moves really well for his size. Um, it's, it's almost like another Trent Williams. Uh, I mean, he's, he's, he's almost as big as Trent and then, uh, he can't move as well as Trent yet, but, uh, he's, he's going to get there and, and he's, as soon as he figures out the offense, he's going to be moving really well and he's making some tremendous plays. And then Trey Sturman's made some great cuts in, in OTAs. He's got great vision um, and excited to see both those guys play. And, you know, you look at the NFC West every year and it's one of the more competitive divisions in football. You have you guys, you're two years removed from the Super Bowl. You know, every year it seems like the Seahawks are in the mix. There's all that firepower in Arizona. And then you have the Rams. When you're looking out at the other teams, you know, as a 49er, what makes you so optimistic about you guys and what you're seeing behind the scenes this offseason? This, this is going to be a bounce back year for you guys. And what has you the most excited about 2021? Uh, I mean, it's just our, our division is definitely tough and, uh, um, and it kind of makes it exciting because it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a race to the end. Um, and, and we're just excited to get back out there and kind of redeem ourselves from last year. Um, last year was just, uh, just a, all around bad year for us and 
and we want to go out there and play and, and, and just kind of redeem ourselves. So we're we're just looking ex- uh, excited to get to week one and get out there and play and, and, and try to get back into the Super Bowl hunt. Um, and it starts week one. When you look at what Robert Saleh did for you guys impacting that defense, and then he goes on and becomes the Jets head coach, D'Amico Ryans is a name that's now kind of getting tossed around a little bit as a potential future head coach in the NFL. You know, what's maybe a story or a memory behind the scenes of Robert Saleh? And do you see that D'Amico might be able to make that step as well? Um, I don't know about a, a story, but I I mean, I just love Saleh. He's, he's an amazing guy. He brings great energy to the building. Um, he's always got a smile on his face and then he also puts in the work. I mean, I mean, whenever you talk to him or hear anything about him, he, he knows like all the tendencies of other teams. He watches so much film, he puts in so much work and then he just brings in that energy every day. Um, and, and just, you know, he just ignites the building. And so, uh, I'm excited to see what he does in New York and I, and I wish the best for him. And I hope, uh, hope they do great over there because he's, he's a tremendous coach and he's going to be a damn good head coach for sure. And I, I think he's going to really turn that program around. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to see it. And then uh, for D'Amico, I, I can't wait to, to see him. He, he's definitely uh, done some amazing things. He's brought some, uh, um, a little different taste of our defense. So there's a little different out there. And uh, they're moving around fast and physical. And I'm excited to see what they do this next year because uh, it's it's the same defense a little bit, but then it's, it's got a little different twist to it. Um, D'Amico has definitely added that to it. And he, and he was a tremendous player, and I'm excited to see what he does. And, Daniel, you played in the AAF along with Greg Ward and were some of the few players that were able to make it out of that league into the NFL. And, you know, you look back at that, the XFL and other leagues, the USFL is trying to make a comeback next spring. Can spring league football actually work? Or do you think that there's just such a saturation of NFL football in the fall that it casts such a wide shadow over everything else that it's just so much harder to start up one of those spring leagues? Um, I don't know about the shadow part of it um, with the NFL. I think it's definitely possible. There's tremendous players out there um, that are, that are available. And, and I think, the AAF was able to prove that with how many players came from there and was able to make NFL rosters um, and give guys second chances because there's a lot of players that kind of just kind of get overlooked and miss out because they happen to either be with one team and nobody else got to look at them. They just, they just weren't able to get in the right system um, because I mean, our teams proved that to where there's certain guys, you know, they need to be get to a system that does well for them and then they'll be able to showcase their, their talents and I, I, I really hope one of those leagues is able to get going and catch and, and stick around for a little while. Um, I think it's more of a business aspect of why not. Um, it's just kind of hard for those leagues to start up from scratch and then to get out and, and to constantly uh, be continue to be a league and, and produce money because at the end of the day, it is funded and, and someone's going to have to pay the bills and then they want something on their return. If they're not getting someone on their return, they're not going to make it happen. Um, and I think everybody loves football. So I think definitely people are going to watch it. It's just whether or not a good business plan comes out and if they're able to keep it going. Um, but I, I hope they do because it's, it's a great league for those players that want to continue to play um, and be able to showcase their talents to get an opportunity because there's, there's definitely some players out there that haven't gotten their opportunity and that are kind of going to waste just because they, they just didn't get the right chance. And, and so I hope the, those leagues get together. It's, it's definitely helped my career. Um, I wouldn't be here today if I wasn't in the AAF. And so I'm hoping uh, 
they're able to to get one of those started again and, and give more guys a chance. What was the end of that experience like for you? Because you've heard horror stories of guys having their bags waiting for them outside of the team hotel and, you know, having to find their own way back home. What were those last couple of days in the AAF like for you personally? Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, some, some teams uh, had it worse. Um, we were lucky enough to, I guess they happened to pay the hotel all the way to uh, the end of the week or, or so. Um, so uh thank goodness for that right <laughs> yeah so we we actually got a chance to stay uh, we weren't one of those teams that had got kicked out right away but i did have friends on other teams that were like that and then they had to basically um, find out that they didn't have a job anymore and then uh go get a plane plane ride home and and you know go from there so that kind of uh, stuck um and it was really tough to hear that um and i i wish that you know it could have been different um but it's just kind of how the way it goes is is you know you you go into a league a startup league like that you, you kind of have to be prepared uh, for something like that to happen and for me I think it was a little easier because I I kind of understood what type of league it was and and that there was a chance that that might happen I wasn't you know relying on it as a long term thing so um so for me it was easier to understand um, for some guys it definitely hurt them a lot just because you know they were they were hoping that would be a league that, that you know could get going and they, they can rely on and so it was a little tougher for them but um but like i said i mean i hope one of those leagues gets started because i think it's it's definitely something that our sport needs because you look at a lot of other professional teams that have those minor league sports um and are able to get going and one day i hope maybe the nfl could tie in and, and be able to get be a part of it um, and help those leagues get going because uh like I said, there's a lot of players out there, and I know plenty of players that are good enough to play in the NFL that just haven't gotten an opportunity. So love to see that happen and, and give more guys a chance, and especially for those guys that come out of college and they're still just haven't developed enough yet. And they just need a couple more years before they're, you know, ready to go. And so it would be a great league for developing those guys further. Daniel, this has been a lot of fun. Really enjoyed the conversation. Before I let you go, outside of winning a Super Bowl, outside of getting back to the Super Bowl in the in California, in Los Angeles this coming February, you look ahead to the end of 2021. What makes it a success for Daniel Brunskill and the 49ers? Um, I mean, just us going out there and competing and, uh, and winning some games and, and helping our fans uh, just enjoy it. I think a lot of, a lot of people out there just need to – to be able to enjoy something and, and, and watch, you know, their team do do some great things. So I think that's one of the biggest things is right now our country, you know, it's coming off uh, that pandemic and, and, you know, people are starting to get out and it's going to be awesome to have people in the uh, stands for once again. Uh, I think that's going to be huge. So I can't wait to, to be able to go out there and, and just put some smile on faces and, and help people uh, just enjoy life a little bit more and, and, and ease the pains of this pandemic. He's Daniel Brunskill, San Francisco 49ers starting offensive guard. You can follow him on Instagram at Dan underscore skill dot 94. Daniel, appreciate the time. Look forward to catching up with you further up the road and best of luck this year, my man. Thank you very much, Matt. Take care. Really fun stuff there from Daniel Brunskill. And, you know, for a lot of reasons, I think the 49ers are a really fascinating team going into the year, not just because they play in the crucible of the NFC West and you look at all of the talent in that division around them, but they have a ton of talent there as well. And it's kind of going to be really interesting to watch that quarterback situation unfold and evolve as the situation goes along. How long can Jimmy Garoppolo stave off Trey Lance? 
How much of a case does Trey Lance make that he should be playing right away or within the first couple of weeks of the season? I think a lot of that's going to depend on how competitive the 49ers are in that division race and getting guys like Nick Bosa back healthy, getting Garoppolo back and playing at a high level, the 49ers hope. I think it's going to be really interesting to see where they fit in that NFC West hierarchy. And there have been some really interesting nuggets developing around the league this week. Most teams now in mandatory minicamps are just wrapping them up about the rookie quarterbacks taken at the top of the board guys like Mac Jones guys like Trey Lance like we touched on with Daniel out in San Francisco guys like Justin Fields in Chicago where the narrative might be changing a bit for the Chicago Bears we'll talk about all that and a whole lot more on the other side keep it right here on the Matt Lombardo show inside fan-sided stacking the box podcast feed All right, welcome back in. And it was certainly a really interesting week around the NFL when it comes to quarterback play and when it comes to rookie quarterbacks as they wrapped up their first full NFL offseason program and as many camps came to a close. I mean, you think about what happened in New England. Bill Belichick comes out and says Cam Newton is, quote, way ahead of where he was in 2020 at this time, no doubt about that. And the fact that Boston reporters had Newton going 17 for 21 in practice the other day, it kind of makes you wonder. Is Mac Jones going to be riding the pine a lot longer than a lot of people expected? Because, you know, I looked at Cam Newton, how we finished last year, and I thought it was a a really interesting signing and in a lot of ways a good signing for New England to bring him back. I thought that with that supporting cast, that there was still a little bit of upside there. They needed to get a quarterback, which they did, taking Mac Jones. But, you know, you have to wonder... Maybe Cam Newton found a little bit of the fountain of youth with Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry to throw the ball to at the tight end position. But nevertheless, I kind of get the sense after this week that maybe Mac Jones isn't going to start that early in the year. And then you move down south and you look at what happened with Tua Tagovailoa. And man, Tua, Tua, Tua. Four interceptions in a Miami monsoon this week. And I get it that it's only mandatory minicamp. It's only June. None of this matters as much as, you know, we make it out to this time of year because we're so starved for football. We're so excited to see these teams and these players back on the field. But you think about it, though. Miami goes out and they sign Will Fuller. They draft Jalen Waddle. If Tua stinks, if Tua doesn't improve from last year, and if Aaron Rodgers doesn't show up in late August to Green Bay or early September. Does Chris Greer, the Miami Dolphins general manager, pick up the phone and call Green Bay? Because I don't know that a team right now today can offer the Packers what the Dolphins can. And if Green Bay is looking for a King's ransom and Miami is looking for a quarterback in a division where they think with the young talent around the quarterback with Aaron Rodgers, they can go and win that division and go much further. Then it gets interesting, but I think it could be a lot of fun to handicap right now the playing time for the young rookie quarterbacks coming into this league. And for all intents and purposes, for this little fun exercise, let's put Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson up on a shelf because they're playing week one. They're starting for the Jags and the Jets right away, and they should. They're that good. They're immediate impact players at the quarterback position. But how does this kind of shake out? for the rest of these quarterbacks this season because Houston's probably turning to Mills right away. I just can't see Deshaun Watson, even if his name is cleared with all of the civil cases against him and the legal cases against him, I can't see any going back there. I just think that situation devolved to the point of no return with Houston. And I think Mills is the guy week one. And you look at Chicago, 
I don't know that Andy Dalton's going to be able to fend off Justin Fields for very long because there's a lot of pressure on head coach Matt Nagy and GM Ryan Pace to win right now. They've kind of hitched their futures, not kind of, they have hitched their futures to Justin Fields. And you hear some of the comments coming out of the Windy City this week, quote, Justin has that mentality to rip your heart out, Matt Nagy said. Quote, it's a beautiful ball. Justin Fields throws a very accurate football, quote unquote, bears wide receiver Darnell Mooney. How do the Gandy Dalton's QB one for long? You know, you saw the tweet go out from the Bears social media department back in March or April. QB one for Andy Dalton. I don't know, man. I, I said a few weeks ago, week four is a nice target date to get Fields on the field and starting for the Bears. He might start a couple weeks before that, especially if things don't go well for the Chicago Bears early in the season. A wild card here, Kellen Mond in Minnesota, because if the Vikings come out flat, if they struggle, and if by November they're looking up at the Bears and the Packers and God forbid for their sake, the Detroit Lions, which I don't think is going to happen, but with Jared Goff there, who knows? If Minnesota's out of it over the final five weeks, I don't think they're going to pass up a look at the kid who might replace Kirk Cousins over the final month. So, you know, Kellen Mond is a guy to watch. I don't think he starts the season, but I think there's a good chance that he very well might finish it. And anyway, you know, I think if you go from Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson to Mund to the rest, Justin Fields, Mills, all of them, I think this has a chance to be a really dominant, dynamic, and high-ceiling rookie quarterback class. I think there are some really impact players here for years to come that we're going to look back and say there were two or three or four franchise quarterbacks that came out of this class. And if you didn't get one, and what I'm hearing about next year's class, not so deep. So there might be a dearth of quarterback play to kind of tie it all into how we started the show in the NFC for the next couple of years if you didn't get one of the quarterbacks this year. And that's about all the time we have. Thanks to Daniel Brunskill for dropping by. Thanks, as always, to Fansided's Cole Thompson for his contributions that are invaluable to this podcast every single week. And again, if you like what you hear, please subscribe to the Stacking the Box podcast in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all your favorite platforms. Leave those five-star reviews. They do really help grow the show. And you can follow me on Twitter at Matt Lombardo NFL. Thanks as always for tuning in. I'm Matt Lombardo. I'll talk to you next week right here on the Matt Lombardo Show inside fan-sided Stacking the Box podcast feed. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest-drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com.